Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Right now, Joe Biden is battling a series of crises, global inflation, you know, due largely in part to the pandemic and resulting supply chain issues, rising gas prices, which is in part, of course, due to the war in Europe and Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Coming up, the the Supreme Court decision on Roe v. Wade, a Congress too deadlocked to do much uh, noticeable on gun reform. Not to mention the infant formula crisis, voting rights legislation, climate change. Many of them outside his own control, but they've added up and taken a real toll on his political standing. I'm Annie Reese. This is Politico Dispatch. So a sense of frustration has set in on the White House. The president is really bumping up against the limits of the powers of his office. White House Bureau Chief Jonathan Lemire is here to take us inside the major mounting challenges inside the West Wing and whether there's still time to turn it around. One thing that kept popping up in your reporting is that Biden recently said against the advice of staffers that he didn't know about the infant formula crisis until it was too late. What did you hear about that? Yeah, my reporting tells me that the president was kept out of the loop for months. It seems wild to me. Yeah, some of this is supply chain issues. Some of it is, can be directly linked to a the closure of a baby formula plant in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And the president says he did not learn uh, about this possible shortage of baby formula until just a month or so back, which and even though CEOs in the industry have said it was predictable for months this would this was coming. And the White House was caught off guard. Uh, and it's been not only now do we have these images of empty shelves and, and obviously really worried parents concerned they're not gonna be able to fear their children. And that of course is first and foremost the problem, but it's also a political issue for this president. And according to my reporting, he was very angry that he was kept out of the loop. But when he wanted, he insisted upon saying that publicly because he didn't want to seem like he was uncaring. He didn't want to seem like he he would not taken action. But aides said they felt instead it made him seem like he was out of touch. And they worry about that as the political implications of that as well. When he said in that Q&A. They did, but I didn't. They knew I didn't know. Right. They knew. And they had been advised against saying that publicly, per my reporting. And he went ahead and did it anyway, because he made the he made the calculation that he'd rather uh, he didn't want to be known as uncaring or not acting. But AIDS said, well, the problem with that is you now look like you're just out of touch. You're out of the decision making loop. Hmm. Another example of this kind of dynamic playing out, it seems like, is Biden's tentative visit to Saudi Arabia to visit the crown prince there. What do you know about that and those discussions. This is an example that really illustrates just how boxed in President Biden feels right now. Mm. He labeled Saudi Arabia a pariah country. The crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman, who's the most powerful figure in that country, uh, was accused of ordering the the assassination and dismemberment of the Washington Post columnist Jamal Khashoggi. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Biden, during his campaign and during his first months in office, basically said, I don't want to deal with this guy. The presidency should stand for something. And we have America should should be known for its commitment to human rights, uh, that we won't deal with someone like this. But because of the rising oil prices we just discussed, there's a sense, a growing sense in the White House that he's got to go to Saudi Arabia. He has to meet with the crown prince and ask them to boost their oil production. It may not make that much of a difference on prices, but every little bit counts. So 
there is now in the works a plan to Saudi Arabia. But we should pause for a moment to say originally it was slated to be part of a trip the president was already taking overseas in June. That's no longer happening. It's now tentatively penciled in for July. And aides tell me they still wonder if Biden might change his mind again and not go at all. Mm. So his numbers are kind of in the gutter right now, but we're only about halfway through his second year. So what's their plan to turn it around? And maybe more importantly, does everyone in the White House agree on said plan? Well, there are some division here, and there's certainly members of the president's inner circle that includes the first lady uh, and his sister, who, per my reporting, wish that president would be allowed to be himself more. They feel like the White House staff is treating him with kids' gloves and not allowing him to sort of be the Joe Biden that, in their estimation, America really fell for as vice president uh, and as a candidate. There is certainly time to turn this around. Joe Biden would not stand for re-election until 2024. There's a lot of time, a political lifetime between now and then. Uh, More of a concern, though, is this November's midterms. And certainly at the moment, it feels like the president and his party, the Democrats, are really paying the political price and at least proposing now, five months out, uh, would stand to lose the House of Representatives and potentially the Senate, too. Is this slump? I mean, we, we know that there's there's been a confluence of a lot of things, including Russia's war in Ukraine and inflation. But is this slump pretty standard in a lot of first terms? I mean, we're two years in, as you were saying, the promise of the campaign trail was two years ago. You know, we're two years from another election, another presidential election. It, it is fairly normal. And certainly the slide for this presidency began last August, uh, which to that point, the president had been doing very well per polling. And the one-two punch of the Delta variant and then the botched withdrawal from Afghanistan sent his numbers down for the first time, punctured the sort of aura of of competency. Uh, And the White House has has had some accomplishments since, but has really struggled to get its poll numbers back up since then. But we've seen other presidencies at this moment before, and there are one of two paths. There are presidents like Bill Clinton and Ronald Reagan who also had – a tough second year and sometimes even a tough midterms and yet mm-hmm. rallied to win re-election easily. Reagan did in 84, Clinton did in 96. There are other presidents, though, who also hit a slump in this sort of middle of their term and never recovered. George H.W. Bush is one, but particularly Jimmy Carter, another. And the Carter parallels are the ones that really worry Democrats because he's another first-term Democrat who had to combat surging inflation, and he was not able to overcome it and win a second term. I'm curious about how effective being on the road is really. Like, we know that that's something that some of Biden's advisors, you know, want him to be able to do. Our colleagues have also been reporting that Kamala Harris is getting stir-crazy in Washington with breaking so many votes and eager to be on the road talking up accomplishments. But, like, how much of a difference does that actually make? It remains to be seen. I mean, this is not – we've heard this from the White House before – they keep saying that they feel like things will turn around if the president gets to travel more. Yeah. Uh, and, and this time it's from the president himself. He's really looking to get out there uh, on the road, mix up with voters. But the White House, first of all, points to the idea there are security concerns, you know, safety concerns with COVID-19 in particular and as to limiting how often he can be out there. But it also remains to be seen. I mean, Biden is not quite the dynamic campaigner. He had been in campaigns past. Uh, and, you know, at least to this point, when he has been able to travel some, it hasn't really changed the equation much. But White House officials believe they'll soon ramp up into pure campaign mode to help Democrats in the midterms. They think he can still make a difference. What was the White House reaction to your piece? Ah, well, as noted uh, in the story and in Playbook, 
<laughs> they they did have uh, objections to some of it. In fact, Andrew Bates, the Deputy White House Press Secretary, uh, is quoted in the story. And then after the story ran, uh, he took issue with the idea of, in particular, that White House morale had uh, slumped, saying that the piece was, and I'm paraphrasing here, uh, was divorced from reality. That said, <laughs> we stand by our reporting. There are multiple sources inside the White House and Democrats close to the West Wing uh, who suggest that indeed uh, you know, the White House feels frustrated right now. Not that they're throwing the towel, not that they don't think they can't turn it around, but just feel like they're overwhelmed uh, by the series of crises that have hit them all at once. Yeah. So what are you going to be really watching out for in the coming weeks? Well, I think, first of all, we have the president heads out west uh, this week for the Summit of Americas, where uh, he's hoping to reaffirm the American commitment to its own hemisphere. And he's got more foreign policy travel up ahead uh, with some summits to, in Europe at the end of June that will be heavily focused on the alliance that's helping Ukraine fight back Russia. But I do think it is a time for domestic policy as well. And the White House has, said, has signaled that June is going to be an important month. Uh, first of all, there is this focus right now on guns in the wake of the mass shootings. There is yeah. some legislation potentially coming through the Senate in the next week or two. Uh, we know it's a moment where the president and his advisors are trying to be out there to talk about inflation, even though there's a limit to what they can do to combat it. They want to show Americans they're trying. And then thirdly, everyone's anticipating at the end of this month, we will get a Supreme Court decision on Roe v. Wade, and that will have significant political implications for the midterms. Jonathan Lemire, thank you so much for talking with me. My pleasure. Thank you. Also in the news, Mexican President Andres Manuel López Obrador announced Monday that he will skip the Summit of the Americas in Los Angeles later this week over objections to President Joe Biden's guest list for the event. López Obrador wanted the White House to invite authoritarian leaders from Cuba, Nicaragua, and Venezuela to the summit. And Senators Cynthia Loomis and Kirsten Gillibrand will unveil a major new cryptocurrency bill today. The move will just be the beginning, not the end, of Congress's efforts to structure rules around the cryptocurrency industry. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to follow Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. It helps more people find the show. I'm Annie Reese. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>